0: Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaves rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered round mine and, and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? and they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he'd said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers really come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind.
1: Thank you. I don't know about you, but I'm so excited about this new series on living the dream. We're looking at all different age groups across Kingsgate in all our locations, Peterborough, Cambridge, Leicester and London. And I believe God is going to do a wonderful work in and through our lives. When you hear that term, living the dream, I wonder what comes to mind. If you're a dog, then it might look like this. Maybe if you're a monkey, it might feel like this. Or if you're a beer-loving Brit, how about this? Don't just love that guy. Well, I googled the term living the dream and came up with a number of definitions. First one, living the life that most people dream of. Living the life that most people dream of. Better still, living the life that you have always dreamed of. But both of those definitions sell us way short. You weren't designed to live the dream that other people have dreamed of. Can I say you weren't even designed to dream the dream that you've dreamed of, or live it. Instead, we have all been designed by God to live the purpose that He has always had for us. His purpose trumps our purpose and any other purpose that anyone else can have for us. Living the dream doesn't mean just making stuff up. It means that we live the life that God has always purposed for us. And the, way, the best example, or one of the most fantastic examples of that in the whole Bible, is this Old Testament character, Joseph. His story is found in Genesis 37 through Genesis 50. And I want to give you just a very brief overview of the story before we get started. Firstly, Joseph is, is born partly as a result of his mother's prayer. His family moved to Canaan. He becomes his father's favorite, and to mark out that he's dad's favorite, he gives him a special coat. How many of you like my special coat? <laughs> Where can you get one? <laughs> but the family is dysfunctional, partly because of the coat, partly because he's marked out as special. His brothers hate him, and on one occasion they, they try and kill him. And then Joseph, in the story, he has an incredible double dream from God. It's a promise of, if you like, future greatness. But as a result of that dream, the brothers are even more jealous, and they end up selling him into slavery in Egypt. Imagine if you've been sold into slavery by your own brothers. Would you agree that's a pretty bad day in your life? As I've looked at the story feels highly significant that Joseph dreams the dream at 17, but then it takes another 13 years, what I call a season of preparation, before he finally starts living what God has promised him, and at the age of 30, he has a one-day dr- sudden and dramatic promotion when he goes from being a prisoner to, in effect, a prime minister of the greatest empire of the day, the Egyptian Empire, and then what I love about Joseph, he doesn't just get to the top, but for 80 years, say 80 years. 80 years, for 80 years, he stays at the top, the pinnacle of power, great affluence, and great influence. And he manages to stay on track. He keeps in, his integrity in place, he's reconciled to his brothers, he's used by God to rescue the family. And multitudes from other nations from starvation before finishing well, he dies at 110, good old age, and he finishes well and leaves a great legacy for the next generation. And so I I love Joseph because Joseph is a good news story. It finishes well, and it's a great inspiration to every single one of us. And I believe that what God wants to do is he wants to speak to us, not so much that we track every detail of Joseph's life and apply it to our lives, but we look at principles from the story and say, how do these principles apply to our life and to our life journey? see, it may be that you're here today and you're a young person and you're still trying to figure out God's purpose for your life. Maybe you're, like me, more at midlife, or maybe you're a bit older and you sense you maybe are coming to a transition time in your life and you want to hear God for the next season. Joseph has got something to to teach you. Maybe you're in a preparation season. Maybe you've just experienced a, a promotion or... You're in a sense of, I'm fulfilling what God has for me, provision for purpose, but I don't want to mess up. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to teach us through the life of Joseph. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at four principles of God's purpose in our lives from the early uh, part of Joseph's life. First one is this. This is the foundational point. God has a great purpose for your life. Good news. God has a great purpose for your life. God's purpose for your life far exceeds any dream that anyone else can come up with. Any dream that you might make up for your life, God's purpose for your life is the only plan that you want to follow. It really, really is. And it's a purpose, it's a plan... That didn't just happen when you became a Christian. It's something that God planned for you right back to the beginning of time. In Joseph's case, we can see the purpose of God actually working in the very circumstances of his birth. Rachel, who was um, Jacob's second wife, was barren. She prays, and it says this in Genesis 30. God remembered Rachel. He listened to her. And enabled her to conceive. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Joseph. And so um, the story begins to kick into action. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't really say that my birth was the direct result of prayer. But that doesn't mean that God didn't have a purpose for my life that predated my birth, and it's the same with you. In fact, you may actually look at your life and say, Do you know, I think my life was a bit of an accident. I was unplanned for. You may have even been, quote, unwanted. But can I declare, in God's mind and in God's heart, you are not an accident. You are not unwanted. You have a plan and a purpose that comes from the heart of your Father God. And it's a plan that even predated your birth. I say, how can I know that? That sounds like good news. Is it true? Yes, it is true. Because in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 to 5, in the message translation, it says this. Long before He, God the Father, laid down earth's foundations, He had us in mind. God had you in mind. And it says, He had settled on us as the focus of His love to be made holy by His love. Long, long ago he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. Wow, isn't that amazing? That God has an eternal purpose for your life, and at the center of that purpose, the center of that will, God designed for you to come and know him to have your sins forgiven, to be born again, to become a child, a son or a daughter of the living God, to receive His Spirit, and that you might have an eternal love relationship with Him. That's at the very heart of your purpose. And if you're here and you're still checking Christianity out, I want to you, God wants to draw you to Himself and reveal Himself to you as, His, as a wonderful heavenly Father. That's the foundational purpose for every single one of us. He wants us to become Christians. But the second purpose is this. When you get born again, you begin to realize that God has a specific assignment for you in this life. How many of you are looking forward to heaven? Or heaven on earth? Yeah, I am too. But I'm not going to wait till I get to heaven to fulfill God's purpose. God has a purpose for me and he has a purpose for you, you right now while you're on the earth. And we know that because if we read on in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That word workmanship, another translation is masterpiece. Can I say this over your life? In Christ, you are God's masterpiece. You're His masterpiece. And God has not only brought you to himself that you might know him and be born again into his family, but God has a specific purpose, specific things for you to do that he prepared in advance for those things to take place. And in Joseph's case, obviously, God has a great plan for Joseph's life. It was ultimately to be second in charge of this great empire. You have a different call, a different purpose. But be, be absolutely clear about this. God has a great purpose for your life. Can you say amen? amen? Secondly, your past doesn't disqualify you from His purpose. Let me say that again. Your past doesn't disqualify you from His purpose. If we look at Joseph, there was a lot that could have disqualified him. By the time he's born, his father Jacob, whose name aptly meant deceiver or twister. Imagine having a dad like that. Deceiver or twister. Uh, Jacob, by the time Joseph's born, already had ten sons from three different mothers. Two of Joseph's older brothers go on and commit mass murder. And his eldest brother has sex with one of his father's wives bit dysfunctional, yeah? Joseph himself grew up, if you like, as the odd one out. He's favored by his father. The coat that he's given was a kind of a bit of a mixed blessing. It almost certainly meant that he alone of all the brothers um, didn't have to work. But guess what the brothers felt about him? Jealous, they hated him. We read in the text, they couldn't speak a kind word about him. Imagine all your life growing up as the odd one out, the the rest of your brothers hate you. How many know that children and young people can be particularly cruel with people they don't like? So we can only imagine some of what must have been going on in Joseph's life under that kind of rejection um, from his jealous brothers. Joseph's mother dies at the age of 12. And so here we have Joseph. He's a spoilt child. He's in a dysfunctional family. He's got a dad who's called Twister. And I reckon if he'd lived today, social services would have been on his and their case big time. And I say all that to say this. In spite of all of that... Joseph doesn't allow his past to disqualify him from God's purpose over his life. The purpose of God was stronger and greater than what had happened in Joseph's past. And guess what? It's the same for you and me. No matter what's happened in our past, if we will allow the Lord to do His work and to receive His grace, His purpose is greater than our past And we mustn't disqualify ourselves in any way from fulfilling his purposes. You can be qualified to live the dream. You see, sometimes I think we think, well, you know, I've got to be perfect to live the dream. If God was waiting for perfect people with a perfect past, guess what? He'd be waiting a long time. He certainly wouldn't have picked me. How about you? And God loves to take us, doesn't he? with all our flaws faults failures fears he doesn't leave us that way but we experience something even greater than Joseph did because we now live post the cross of Jesus Christ he brings us to himself and then we see in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 because of the sacrifice of Jesus the Messiah we're a free people free of penalties and punishments chalked up by our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. God comes and he wipes the slate clean. He comes to deal with our past, both our own wrongdoing, and also he begins, when we get born again, to start breaking the curse and the influence of stuff that's been done to us. And so first let me say, whatever you've done in your past, Jesus Christ has come to set you free. He's come to wipe the slate clean. He's come to give you a new beginning. And then what you and I need to do is we need to partner with the Holy Spirit who's come to live on the inside of us so that we actually, in experience, begin to live in our mind, will, and emotions actually free from all effects of our past. Amen? How many don't just want to be positionally free, you want to be experientially free too. So we are forgiven, we are justified, we've been made free in the sight of God, and He wants that freedom to work through every part of our lives. That's why in, in, in Kingsgate we're committed to the ongoing ministry of holiness and deliverance, why we run courses like, uh, like Beta and Celebrate Recovery, why we have ministry teams. It's why, one of the reasons we have life groups because we know that sometimes, you know, we, we've all got blind spots, haven't we? We need others to help us lovingly by the Spirit and the Word. Come and set us free. So my prayer for every single one of us that not one of us will count ourselves out of God's purposes because of what's happened in our our past. Why don't you say right now in your own heart, Lord, count me in. I count myself in. I count myself in. And then let's allow the Holy Spirit to do a deeper work of freeing us from all hindrances from our past. That's the first thing. God has a great purpose for your life. Come on. Second, your past doesn't disqualify you from God's purpose. And then number three... God will reveal what He's purpose for you. God will reveal what He's purpose for you. There's a line in the song from the musical, Joseph's Technicolor Dreamcoat. Ever seen or heard? Yeah. Joseph's Technicolor Dreamcoat. Anyway, one of the lines in one of the songs is this. Any dream will do. Well, it's something like that, anyway. <laughs> Somebody said, I didn't recognize that. Well, <laughs> Any dream will do is the line the song. It's kind of a catchy refrain. We could all sing it. And let's not all sing it. But we could all sing it. Can I say catchy line? But it's rubbish. Any dream won't do. The only dream, the only vision, the only revelation that you and I want in our lives is dreams that God has given us, visions that He gives to us, revelations that come from Him, because we're not called to dream our dreams and try and live them, we're not called to follow what other people's expectations in our lives, the only thing we want is what comes from God. If we look at the the account that we heard earlier on in in our dramatized reading, at the time when Joseph receives the dream... It's not totally obvious that it comes from God. The text doesn't say in Genesis 37, and God said. It just said Joseph had two dreams. But we have the benefit of having read the whole story in a way that Joseph didn't. And we know, with the benefit of seeing the whole story, that actually God was the source of both those dreams. It was God kind of letting this young guy, with all the stuff that was going on in his life... Letting this young guy know that I've got plans for you, young man. I've got a purpose and a future for you. And that's something of what vision and revelation and dreams do, doesn't it? It can take us out of where we are and give us fresh hope for the future. But notice what the dream wasn't. It wasn't kind of like a detailed plan of the whole of his life. If you're looking for a detailed plan like tomorrow I'm going to do this, next time I'm going to do that. I mean, for a start, it would be boring if we knew everything, don't you say? But God's not going to do that. Now, God does speak specifically to us, but when it comes to, um, kind of, if you like, our life purpose, I think very often God speaks like He does to Joseph. For Joseph, it was just a, basically a picture, I'm going to do something great, and it somehow involves being elevated above your family. Many of you have heard um, our story when Karen and I first came to Peterborough to start what has become Kingsgate. There's the beginning of a stirring of a dream, a vision for a large strategic breakthrough church. We didn't really know what it was going to look like. And then I received this prophetic word from somebody, and you've heard it before, I'm sure if you've been part of Kingsgate. The word was simply, God says, think big or you'll limit me. How many think that's pretty headline stuff? It's a big picture word. It was God confirming that he was going to do something. And faith arose in our hearts. Like all this dreaming, it wasn't just us. God was saying, no, I want you to think big. I want you to believe way ahead of time that I'm going to do something. Now, we didn't know all the amazing people that God would add in. We didn't know that God would give us land and a building. We didn't know about other cities and and, and wider connections we didn't know any of that but at the start we had to start walking in the light of what God told us and then over the years God has confirmed it he's added to it we've had other words aren't you glad that God doesn't just speak at the beginning of our journey he's still speaking to us today but some of you may be saying well you know you talk about Joseph he, he's a you know in effect he's like prime minister well of course God needs to speak to him And, you you know, you're a church leader. If God's not speaking to church leaders these days, we're all in trouble. But what about me? Well, the great news is we're not in Old Testament times where God did speak to a few. We're in New Testament times after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit has been poured out and we're living in the good of the promise of Joel that Peter quotes on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2.17 where... God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Count yourself in. Count yourself in. He says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Don't get caught up on the categories. The point is, he's actually saying, all people, young and old, every type of person, God wants to speak to you. Now, he may speak to you in a literal night dream like he did to Joseph. Although, can I say, every dream you get is not from God. Can I just help someone right there? In fact, I think many of the dreams we get, probably most of them are just our own dreams. But then God also will speak through visions. They're not in the night, they're in the day, and the vision you know, maybe literally like a picture or an overall, you sense God speaking to you and you you know in your heart there's a sense of, this is what God is calling me to, this is what I'm to do in the next season of my life. How many of you had God speak to you as you just read in the Bible? You know, you're going through a passage and then suddenly something that's in there, in the book, leaps out and it gets in your heart. You know, it's more than just God's revealed truth that's true all the time, but there's something about God taking that word and speaking to you or confirming something he's already said to you from the word. I love it, don't you? God is a speaking God. Sometimes I think God speaks to us and we don't really, we're not really listening because we're expecting an audible voice. I've never had an audible voice. But sometimes God gives us what I almost c- could call like a burden, the Bill Hybels, pastor of Willow Creek, calls it holy discontent, where there's just something that's like, just, it's like a burden to you. And I'm not talking about things you're just annoyed with, like traffic jams. I'm talking about God puts on your heart maybe a people, or an area, or a need. Maybe something just burdens you. I'm not just talking about it's bad, but you're really troubled by sickness and seeing people sick. Well, God may be calling you to do something about it. Maybe you're literally in your vocation in health, or maybe God's calling you a healing ministry. Maybe it's something about poverty that just gets you more than it gets most people. And God wants you to somehow be... Maybe that's a sign that God's calling you to part of your life and ministry, your vocation or your volunteer ministry. Maybe to do something about it. Maybe God really... There's something about young people, children or youth, and you feel burdened by them. Well, just pay attention to that. God will speak in different ways. The problem is not whether God's speaking. The problem is often we don't learn to listen to Him. Amen? God wants to speak in all kinds of different ways. Now, when you get a word from God, make sure it is obviously God speaking. Firstly, you know, step back and say, is what I sense God saying in line with His overall revealed will in the Bible? Is it in line with Scripture? Another very important check is... When you get it, is it just coming out of your head and it's just an idea, but it doesn't really witness with what's on your heart? There's a sense in which you, you just know when you think about it, there's a sense of God's peace comes. You feel closer to God rather than distant from God when, when, when you're kind of sensing that thing. And then I believe it's vital that we learn to share what we sense God is saying with other people. You know, How many know that none of us have a perfect hotline to God? You may think you have, but can I tell you, you have not got a perfect hotline to God. The only person who ever did who lived was Jesus. Amen. It says in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 9, We know in part, and we prophesy in, in part. Not only because God speaks, He doesn't give us the full picture, but sometimes our hearing is not always super accurate. We may have part of the picture. We need other people around us, to help us. Again, that's why we need community, why we need groups. And I know that one of the main emphases of this week in groups as you kind of look at how to apply the material is this whole thing about hearing God together. And it's really important who we share our dream or our visions or the burden God's given us. It's important who you share that with. I mean, Joseph was pretty unwise, wasn't it? Who did he share the, the, the burden with? With the brothers, they already hated him. Did not go down well. So on the other hand, you know, don't, obviously don't share with people who are not going to be on the same page as you, but also avoid sharing with people who are just too nice that so they're not going to tell you if you're just off on one. And please, can I say, if somebody's sharing something with you and you think it's bonkers, love them enough to say, I think you might. I've got that slightly wrong. <laughs> Save us all. <laughs> and so the purpose of this message is not that we all just go off on tangents. It's that we safely and wisely discern what God's will is for our lives. And so make sure you share it with seasoned, uh, spiritual people who can really speak into that. So That's, that's the foundation. But let me just encourage you God wants to reveal His purpose to you. For some of you may never have heard from God, and my prayer is both today and throughout this series, you'll have a growing sense of what God's purpose is for your life. Others of you maybe have heard some stuff and you're a bit confused about it, or you've doubted what God said. Well, I'd encourage you during this series, bring it back off the shelf and ask if it's not from Him, it'll be clear. If it is, you'll get some more clarity in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So that's the thing. God wants to reveal His purpose to you. And then there's a fourth and a final and a vital principle is this. God's purpose is to bless many others through you. See, when Joseph, the spoilt, telltale, prideful young man, first received the dreams... I think that central in his thinking was not about others. It was about him. He, I think, he was slightly pleased that the. You, I mean, if you had been hated by your brothers all, 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 all through your life, and you get a dream that says um, you're going to be raised up, I mean, would that just help you, your ego a little bit? And so there was something of youthful pride in Joseph that almost confirmed the self-importance that he felt. And I believe sometimes that's where we can get it wrong. God is really speaking to us, but our motives and our attitudes are not right. And that's one of the reasons, as we'll see next week, why there's a delay between when God speaks, when we get the dream, and when we start to live the dream. Guess, guess what the reason is? is because we're not ready. We're not ready. But Joseph, as he matures, he comes to realize that God has a purpose for his life that's not just about him, it's about others. And the purpose of blessing others doesn't actually start with Joseph. It goes back to Joseph's great-grandfather who was Abraham. And to our great forefather, Abraham, God appears to this guy, Abraham, and he makes this incredible promise. He says, I will bless you for what purpose? In order that you will be a blessing. And he says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's quite clear that the blessing wasn't to stop with Abraham. It was to go on to succeeding generations. Because in Genesis 2 verse 18, he says, Through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. And if we look at the Joseph story, we can see that the promise of Abraham to bless Joseph and make him a blessing had a wonderful sense of fulfillment. And when Joseph starts seeing the promise actually come to pass, the dream actually be fulfilled, the brothers are bowing down to him in Egypt, he's no longer thinking, ha, I've got one up on you. He's not even focusing on the wonder of the fact that God's made him second in charge of this great empire. Listen to his attitude and listen to the perspective he now has on God's purpose for his life. He says to the brothers this, it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Nothing about Joseph now. It was all about others and what God wanted to do through Joseph to help others. And then later on, right at the end of the story, before Joseph dies, he turns to his brothers and he wants to reassure them. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Can we say this together? Which was the Saving of many lives. That's the focus of the story. The reason for the purpose is not that jo- Joseph became great, although in human terms he did. It's not that Joseph was made extremely influential, although he was. It's not that Joseph was steward over huge wealth, although he was. All of this was God's purpose and God's plan that others might be blessed through him, and specifically that multitudes, including his own family, might be saved from starvation. Can I say God wants to do the same with us? He wants to bless us beyond measure, because now... We are living in a different day and an even better day than Joseph. Do you know who the ultimate descendant of Abraham was? Do you know how the promise was ultimately fulfilled that I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and I'm going to bless others through you, and all nations are going to be blessed through your offspring? Do you know who the ultimate fulfillment of all that was was centered on? One like Joseph... But one far greater than Joseph, he has no rival, he has no equal Jesus Christ. He's the savior of the world. All nations, all peoples will be blessed through him. Joseph was used by God to bring physical salvation to multitudes, saving them from physical starvation. Jesus Christ has come to build on that and do even more. Jesus Christ has come to bring spiritual and eternal salvation and make it available to every single person who will receive him. And we now are in Christ. We benefit from his salvation ourselves. And then he says, I've got an assignment for you. I'm going to send you in and work amongst sick people. I'm going to send you in and work amongst the poor. I'm going to send you in and work amongst your family. I'm going to send you in to work amongst your neighborhood. And I'm going to cause you to be blessed. And I want to pour out my blessing and my spirit upon you. But I want to do it in order that many other lives might be blessed through you. Amen? That's the purpose. That's the reason for the blessing. And so as I think about the potential of what God wants to happen in our lives. Imagine with me if every single one of us, everyone throughout this season, throughout this series, took a massive leap forward in understanding and beginning to live out your purpose in Christ. It'll look different for you to the person next to you. Imagine how many more lives could be blessed if we all rose up and, 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 and just got a hold of God's purpose for our lives. But then imagine how many ministries might be birthed. How many multitudes of young people might be blessed and reached for Christ. How much injustice might be overturned. How many sick people might be healed. Amen. Then imagine if we didn't just do it on our own. Joseph had to do it on his own we recognize that God is not just in our days into anointing individuals. He is into anointing individuals, but He's placed those individuals together into His family, into His church and his body, and we all said we're all going to bring our different vocations and skills and resources and anointings together, and we're going to hear the call of God, we're going to rise up to the purpose of God, and we are going to together become the Joseph company that I believe God destined for us before the beginning of time. That's why Kingsgate exists, to be blessed and to be a blessing to many people in all our cities and to the nations in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray together. Will you just lift your hands out to the Lord. Father, I want to thank you for your plans and your purposes for each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord. It's a great plan and a great purpose. Even precedes our birth. Thank you, Lord, that our past doesn't disqualify us from fulfilling your purpose for our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you want to reveal in this time and this season more of your plans and purposes for us. And Lord, we just remind ourselves that the purpose is that many lives might be blessed through us. So speak to us, help us, change us, encourage us, set us free. In Jesus' name. Amen.